Carnivorous couch, shit happens once a week It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody, and welcome to our one-year anniversary episode of Carnivorous Couch, a film a week from Two Film Geeks, the spoiler-full podcast. I, with the red hair that is the envy of four continents, am Rob, and we also have, of course, Brady Larson uh, from Turkey. Hair, hair color as uh, Sherlock Holmes in this week's movie, The 7% Solution, yeah. 1976. Uh, based on the 1974 book, we also have with us our two Sherlock Holmes aficionados. Uh, Tess. Tess, yes, yes. I'm the specialist guest. And Madeline. Hi. I like and Sherlock Holmes a lot too. And uh, we're gonna go ahead and start off by getting into our plot synopsis, which I think we've delegated Maddie do. Oh, I should have thought about this more. Okay, so it starts off. Um, Watson's been married a little while, and so Holmes is doing drugs, because that's what happened in the books. Um, but uh, Mrs. Hudson sends for Watson um, and is all worried about Holmes, because Holmes is super-duper paranoid and freaked out on drugs. Um, and he is talking about his arch-nemesis Moriarty, who he thinks is orchestrating all of the crime in London, and, you know, thinks that it's Moriarty at the door. All this stuff is really just like really, really, really jumpy and paranoid. And so uh, Watson is real worried about his friend and has heard of this doctor on the continent uh, who he thinks might be able to help with his affliction. So he goes and talks to Mycroft, who is Sherlock Holmes's brother, um, who in this is played by the same actor who plays Mycroft in Granada, which is awesome. Um, and then, what pray tell is Granada? Oh, the Granada Sherlock Holmes from the eighties with Jeremy Brett and David Burke and um, Edward Hardwick later. Aha. Um, yes, and so they orchestrate a scheme to get um, Holmes to go see Sigmund Freud to help him with his cocaine addiction. So they have to trick Holmes into thinking that he's chasing Moriarty there and they go and Holmes gets there and is like hey you guys tricked me but I guess you're probably right I should stay and lets Freud hypnotize him and helps him with his addiction that way and Watson is like super best buddy ever and sticks with him through all of the terrible stuff that he goes through with withdrawals and it's withdrawals are like all psychedelic and stuff and have a bunch of like weird references to Sherlock stories in them which are cool and then um, it suddenly turns from a, a drug fic <laughs> story, drug lock. drug lock. Well, he gets fixed, and then they play squash, right? Well, oh, yeah. Well, okay, yeah, they play squash. I forgot about the squash. Um, so the plot synopsis goes, well, I mean, yeah, that's sort of important. I guess the squash is kind of important, but it's not that it's important. It's part of the story, but... Yeah, so well, they... The way we do plot synopsis is we just say everything that happens. Oh, okay. So for anybody listening to this who hasn't watched the movie, we're, of course, going to spoil everything. Right, right, right. And then that way they know what's going on when okay. we talk about it. So I'm sorry I forgot about the squash. Um, so, oh, it's... Uh, yeah. So... While Holmes is recovering, um, Freud and Watson go to the gentleman's club, gym, whatever, where there are lots of sweaty, shirtless men. And um, this guy, this baron, insults Freud for being Jewish. And Watson gets all 
upset about it and throws water in the guy's face because Watson is awesome like that and challenges him to a fist fight. But then Freud is like, no, let's play squash instead. And so then they play squash and Freud totally schools him at squash. And, um, and oh, also at some point earlier in the movie, you'd seen these sort of like guys in fezes go into a hotel nearby. So there are these weird guys in fezes in town, just so you know. Um, and then um, after that, uh, they found out that one of Freud's other patients tried to commit suicide, so they go to check on her, and she's this beautiful redheaded lady. And um, her hair is the envy of four continents. Yeah, she's just a like singer, also. Yeah, she's a singer. She's you actually see her poster on the wall in the scene um, when all the guys in fezes are going into the building. Yes. yes, I I assumed they were going to see her, but I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. So yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, so she's a singer, and she has red hair, and she also used to be a cocaine addict, and it, it looks like somebody had like kidnapped her and made her addicted to cocaine again, and she escaped very heroically by like smashing a window and cutting the her bonds with a, a bit of the glass, and then tried to commit suicide because of the shame of relapsing into her addiction, and so um, they decide to figure out who did it. Um, Holmes is initially like oh no I'm too messed up I can't be on a case and then Watson and Freud are like no no a case will help you it'll be awesome for you it'll make you feel better which is kind of true um ooh, sorry. Oh, microphone in the face um so they go and uh go downstairs to like talk about it while they have something to eat and the guy that she described having um like kidnapped her or like yeah kidnapped her in first in the first place is in the restaurant so they follow him around and then there's this crazy scene where like they get trapped in this horse stall and they nearly get trampled by a bunch of white horses like holy metaphor batman cocaine <laughs> addiction what? white horse i didn't understand austrian lipizzaner famous, famous train well horses. i guess like white horses i think horse is actually usually heroin but or like whatever but like white horses and drugs kind I of i thought it was just a, a gay karaoke bar the white <laughs> white yeah that's true um anyway yeah so i felt like that was kind of yeah yeah a lot of the drug imagery in this like seemed more sort of like opiate related than yeah. Than cocaine related even though it was supposedly cocaine that he was fighting at any rate um they escape from that and realize that the guy they were following was just a ruse so they go back to the hospital and she's been taken away she went with the racist baron guy that we met earlier in the film because apparently she's his lover which is very you know recalls um a scandal in bohemia um, and she's very clever, just like Irene Adler, and leaves a trail of lilies behind. Lilies are like her trademark, so they follow the lilies to this brothel, and there's a really great Stephen Sondheim song. <laughs> and um, then they like find a dead nun in one of the brothel rooms, and Freud is already there because he also figured it out before they did. Um, he went, they split up for some reason, I forget even why. Um, and then the guy, like, who kidnapped her shows up and they question him and um what happens after that god so many things why happen the, in this movie why was the nun dead oh the nun why. oh sorry random dead nun um she was at the hospital with the red-headed lady and the baron brought her with them because she had witnessed him being with her and didn't, he didn't want any witnesses i think no, I my, it was something like that yeah, yeah. i think my favorite like part witness. of all that is like 
Freud did, like explains his deductions of how he figured it out beforehand, and in the voice of Charlie Brown saying, "I got a lock," they're like, "We followed a trail of lilies." Yeah, <laughs> I know. yeah. right. <laughs> Watson is just like, "Well, we followed a trail of lilies." Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. so with plot lines, do you you really do say everything? So, like, I shouldn't have glossed over. There were a bunch of really cool references in the when he was going through withdrawals. I think we withdrawals. should talk about the well, references no, we, you just say when what, we talk about. Yeah, you just stuff say what later, happened. So just, okay. he yeah. tripped out while he was. Uh, the references okay. blah, 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 blah. are like separate from the plot okay yeah, cool you have to go into detail okay cool so i guess i'll keep going so um let's see after that they realized that he um he went to monte carlo to go gambling and the guy in the fez who's i guess supposed to be kind of islamic or whatever also was at monte carlo and he gambled really well and Holmes makes kind of a racist deduction about yeah. like slitting the nun's throat <laughs> being like an Islamic thing, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. But anyway, the Fez guys are the bad guys, obviously, because um, <laughs> this movie is goofy like that. And then um, so they realize that um, the Baron was sort of selling his redheaded girlfriend to the Fez dude um, to pay off his gambling debts. Um and so, oh my goodness, this microphone's all over the place in my face. All right, cool. Sorry. Um, so they go to the train station to figure out where the Baron and the Fez guy have gone. And they realize that he's left on a private train. And so they commandeer a train by kind of going like, police, sort of. But, <laughs> not, but not really. They like, Watson like holds a gun to the engineer's head and, and they're off. But then they tell the engineer what's up and he like rips off his coat and starts stoking the coals because he's all enthusiastic about helping Sherlock Holmes rescue a lady. And there's like a giant crazy train chase. Don't ask me how they managed to have a train chase. I mean, like, wow, like parallel tracks for a while and then they're on the same track and like they like are running out of fuel and so they totally dismantled the entire little carriage that was trailing behind the caboose. Well, it's only it's only a two-part little train thing. So like engine and caboose. Engine and caboose, that's it. So they dismantled the caboose to the stoke spruce caboose. Right. <laughs> yeah, it might have been made of spruce. It's wood and so they burn it instead of coal cuz they're out of coal. Um and uh they catch up with the guy um by like finally after they've totally stripped the caboose, they detach it. But then the bad guys also detach the thing that they're carrying. So then they have to push it up against them. And then uh, Holmes takes Watson's service revolver and like jumps over the thing to the other train car. And the guy is like, oh, you have a gun, but we should sword fight instead. And so then they have a big crazy sword fight that eventually ends up on the top of the train. So they're sword fighting on top of the train, even though Holmes has a gun for most of the fight. I don't know why he's not using it, but swords are cool. He's an expert swordsman. He didn't want to shoot him. It was dishonorable to use the gun. But the guy secretly did have a gun like the whole time also. Yeah, but But I mean, like, he could have shot him any time. And he's just like, they're like, shoot, man, shoot. And he's like, I'm just going to get to the point where I can stab him because I want to be badass. Well, and he is an expert swordsman, Sherlock Holmes. So they're fighting on top of the train. And then um, Sigmund Freud, who's like totally like super action packed, awesome dude in this movie. Um like jumps over to the other train too and goes inside of the other car with like a big rifle that he finds in there and and uh threatens the fez guy and gets the lady back and then um yeah sigmund freud will shoot a guy 
Yeah, well, he d- he shoots the guy when the guy like is gonna shoot him. Yeah, yeah. No, so, he's coming at him with like a big oh, knife. Yeah, he's or coming something. at him with a knife, and he kind of he kind of like falls over and shoots at the same time. So there's it's like I think uh, it was the kickback from the rifle. He's oh, not, yeah. he's not used to it. Oh right, like, it was <laughs> a really big <laughs> rifle. So yeah, Sigmund Freud will shoot somebody if he needs to. Apparently, Apparently. he means business. Ach mein Gott. Uh, yeah, it's important. And he's like should. He's such a good. He's such a good sidekick in this. It's amazing. He's awesome. Um, and so then, uh, eventually, Holmes like he gets knocked off the thing and he falls back on the thing that's between the two train cars. But then, finally, he uh, Watson remembers from the squash match that the um, the Baron guy has a really bad backhand and tells Holmes this, and so Holmes figures out how to stab him and stabs him with the sword and wins the day. And then they're all happy and go back to, uh, t- to whatever. Where definitely more brutal and painful looking than just shooting him. Yeah, right. He like yeah. runs him through. He runs you him know? through. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. brutal. But anyway, um, everything's great. And then um, at the very end, um, so through throughout the whole thing, um, Holmes had been talking about all of this imagery about like you know stuff he would there was like sort of this little image of this boy walking up these stairs and you didn't know why it was sort of interspersed through the whole thing and then also when he's hallucinating he talks about snakes a lot he hallucinates a snake coming down a bell rope which is taken from the speckled band and also um we find out that the only association that he has with moriarty was that moriarty was his tutor when he was a young man when or when he was a kid moriarty was him and mycroft's tutor um, and we found this out a while ago. I should have mentioned it, but it's sort of like on the back burner. You find this out as things go along. Um, but and he wor- he taught at the Roylott School, which is the name of the the last name of the bad guy in um, the Speckled Band. Anyway, which isn't really in the movie, but it's an interesting reference that that's well, the case. Yeah. yeah. So we have we have all of the Speckled Band imagery associated with like the bad sort of like subconscious things happening with Moriarty. And so at the end, Holmes is like, you know, what can I do to repay you for helping me so much with this case and helping me get over my addiction and all this stuff? And um, Freud is like, well, can you can I hypnotize you one more time and find out stuff about your subconscious? And Holmes is like, sure, why not? (laughs) And so he's on the couch getting hypnotized and Watson is there watching with rapt attention because he loves Sherlock Holmes so much in this movie. He loves him so much. Ah. Um, Just as every good Watson should. And um, we find out that the reason that Holmes does drugs and is all messed up and distrusts ladies and um, made Moriarty. Well, no, they don't really do that. This he's not very gay in this one. Oh, I thought you just meant in general. Oh no 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 no. Sherlock loves Watson. Well, he Sherlock loves Watson, Watson, but these are separate. Sherlock. I mean, that's yeah. These are separate issues, though. Like in the canon, like. Holmes always, always is respectful of his lady clients, but often repeats that he distrusts women and that like women are Watson's women area. Women are always trouble. I think yeah, he, says, he, he says that in this. So, um, yet he's very respectful to the um, to the redheaded, the, lady. The redheaded lady. He's super yeah, respectful. I, I to think her. the yeah. most recent BBC Sherlock probably wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. He's kind of an asshole to everybody, though. So yeah, you know. Anyway, he does have his moments. At any <laughs> at any rate. Um, what I was saying was that so the reason that he distrusts ladies and that he made Moriarty sort of the the mastermind behind all of the crime in London 
and that he started doing drugs is because when he was a little kid, he walked in on his mother having an affair with a man and his father came and shot his mother in front of him. He got like blood splattered all over his face really graphically. And it it was very sad. Hmm. And it turned out that the man that his mother was having an affair with was their tutor, Moriarty. And so that's sort of like the root cause of all of Sherlock Holmes's issues, which is like a pretty, pretty terrible cause for your issues. Like that's pretty relatable or not relatable because no poo. Like, no, I can made, totally relate. No, but like it's understandable is what I meant. Not relatable. That's pretty intense. Not most people have yeah. something that intense happen to them, but it's understandable. It's like, oh, it's so sympathetic. So things are so messed up. But then Freud wakes him up. And doesn't tell him, and I don't know if Watson ever tells him. Watson seems real upset about it. Yeah, like, he, like, Vulcan, like, forgets. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just does that, and he wakes up and is like, I feel better somehow, and trust ladies a little more. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what happens. Yeah. And so then at the very end, he's, like, running off to go catch a boat, and he's gonna... And Watson's like, wait, where are you going? And I felt really bad for Watson because he like stuck with Holmes through all of his terrible withdrawals and all this stuff. And Holmes is just kind of like, peace out. See you later. I'm like going to deal with my stuff now. So he goes to go pretend to be a, a violinist, a concert violinist named Sig- Sigerson. Um, and uh, then when he's on the boat, the pretty redheaded lady it makes friends with him. And presumably they'll have a romance because that's implied that's how movies end i don't buy it because i don't think sherlock holmes likes ladies that way but maybe they'll just be friends on the boat and that'll be nice for them anyway um the end oh and he so he tells holmes like shouts after watson like watson's like what am i going to tell your fans and holmes is like tell them that my math tutor killed me i don't care (laughs) (laughs) make something up make something up (laughs) bye we hadn't planned on this contingency yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's the movie. Oh, all right. Uh, is it time to go do Hey, 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 How Do We Like It? So, uh, Tess, you want to start off with how you like this movie? Oh, um, sure. Um, I loved this movie. I've, I've been wanting to see it since I was in high school, and I was like really into Sherlock Holmes, and I was like asking my parents what movies they liked. Only back then, liked. though, right? Not huh? anymore. What? No, I still want it. But okay, um, we are all here now because we wanted to see this movie, um, and it really stuck out with my parents, and they remembered it because I guess it was nominated for like best screenplay or something in the day. Brady. Yeah, <laughs> nominated for screenplay and art direction. Yeah, um, so they remembered it, but um, I I really liked it. The I mean from the from the beginning sequence with the credits and like all the 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 Sydney Paget drawings and. Um, it was just like the credits were very fun and had a lot of cool references that, you know, you would immediately recognize, um, it, uh, it jumped into like a, uh, quote unquote drug lock story. <laughs> so, uh, and I really like that. Like I, I'm very interested in, um, Sherlock Holmes's, uh, addiction in, in the books and in any incantation, uh, incarnation, <laughs> incantation, in any incarnation, um, of the stories, like, that's something that really interests me, so this was, like, a, a boat ride up my alley, um, yeah, I, yeah, and, and it had, like, so many, like, canon references and just, uh, it was a really good script. Um, Alan Arkin, <laughs> 
stole the show. <laughs> I didn't expect that. And I haven't seen him in anything from, you know, before he was like an old man to me. As Sigmund Freud. So Yeah, he's Sigmund Freud. Um, and he's like, he's like almost a better uh, partner than Watson in a lot of ways. Like he just really just busts on the scene and is, is amazing to watch. Um, he's like a split between the two of them because yeah. like Watson's a doctor. He's, he's a doctor. And then also uh, he's deducing stuff and Sherlock, I'm just like, Ooh, oh, yes, yeah, very you picked good. that up And he even well, says at one point, you know? like, elementary, dear Watson. Yeah. And s- yeah. No. And then he no, goes, no, he goes, he goes, element. El- no, he says, well, it's elementary, my dear F- fellow like <laughs> he he's like really like he like middle. stutters and, d- and then puts his hand on his knee all awkward it's like so he's ta- meta. he's talking to watson like they leave the room <laughs> for a second like and he's trying to explain like holmes's addiction to 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 watson and <laughs> watson's like oh that's amazing and he, well it's elementary my, my dear good. Hello. <laughs> and like pats his knee awkwardly and like doesn't feel quite right about it. It's like kind of an amazing meta moment. So this the movie was also very meta and yeah. um yeah, I I absolutely loved it. Um great references, mm-hmm. great acting, very good screenplay. Um seamlessly went from this story about his drug addiction into a case which would I feel normally feel would would feel clunky but you know it it just kind of went seamlessly from that into one thing and then like back into the into the drug addiction and i think like freud as a um as a motif character if you will like really helps like keep that together in that way but um yeah excellent script really good script written very nerdily (laughs) um excellent pastiche also, I guess it was the the script was based on a pastiche that the actual scriptwriter had written. So, um, it's not like reading the book and or, going, "Hey, they changed it." Right. So. Uh, letter grade. What letter grade? Oh, um, well, I I would have to say I probably give this a a Bay Plinus. <laughs> Plinus. So that's a B plus A minus. B plus A minus. <laughs> okay, okay, Brady. What did you think? How did how did you like this movie? Okay, well, before I get into anything, I, I'm going to say I, I absolutely did like this movie. Um, uh, certain parts worked for me more than others. And that said, if anything's going to keep me back, uh, I might as well just delve into the things that maybe didn't work as much. Uh, Maddie already touched on that maybe there is a bit of xenophobia in the, the very sudden-to-me emergence. I mean, uh, gra- granted, they lampshaded at the beginning almost clunkily to me by having watson say that we ran into this turkish guy and well he'll come into play later uh so well said in 1893 where there was a very a lot of nationalism and blood sure but but that said for whatever like role all that played in world events and the world wars i don't feel like that really comes into play in any significant way in this movie uh and so that felt very sudden to me the turks being the bad guys and you know even now, I'm not sure if I understand why they were the bad guys, or maybe I do, and it's just that it's a simplistic answer. Uh, so that didn't work. I, and I, I'm no great fan of this guy, Herbert Ross, as a director. That said, uh, you know, he's better here than in uh, the recent movie I saw him do, which was Walter Matthau and the Sunshine Boys. But, you know, it, I, I could have used a director with a little more verve, I guess. Mm. Uh, what really works for me more than anything is Alan Arkin. 
And so what, as a result, what also works most for me is the opening passion passages about addiction. Uh, and I, I might have to not entirely disagree with Tess, but certainly not entirely agree either that I didn't find the transition from story of addiction to case seamless. Could you, you dick? Uh, <laughs> certainly not seamless. Um, but I will say that if there's any kind of character thematic continuity to be had, it is from the contribution that Arkin makes as Freud. And so, you know, I liked it. What it is most more than anything to me is really nice. Like I, I wouldn't mind watching it again. That said, if there's a problem, it's that it's probably not going to hold in my mind super well. So I, I, th- I think I'm going to have to give it a B for now, but sleep on it. See, see how it sticks with me. See if my claim is correct that maybe it will be more memorable than I'm giving it credit for. But it's a really nice story. And, and watching uh, Arkin play with these guys. Uh, also, I might as well mention the cast because it's quite a cast. Uh, you got Robert Duvall as Watson, mm-hmm. uh, who, whose accent is, is a little scattershot, but mm-hmm. he's yeah. but he, he's got the nobility, though. Uh, Duvall is great. I don't know who he is. He is an American oh, actor. Yeah, his uh-huh. is pretty distracting. He's a beloved American actor, great in a I lot of great movies. Quite right. No, yeah, he, he the yeah. character, like the silent stuff is perfect, just the, the accent. I can yeah. feel no, I he's, he's a really good he like looks the part and acts the part. It's just his voice is kind of funny. I don't, I can't do a British accent to save my life, so I'm certainly not throwing shade at the great <laughs> Robert Duvall. <laughs> but uh yeah, uh the redheaded lady was Vanessa Redgrave, beloved British oh, actress. Was it? Yeah. Uh yeah, like I say, Alan Arkin, wonderful as Red hair Freud. blue eyes, most a uh, rare combination. Uh, Joel Gray, the guy from Cabaret, was that little short guy, I think, who they accost in the brothel. One of the only guys who didn't have blue eyes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone had blue eyes everywhere. It was like watching Dune. Spy. And uh, I think Maddie already might have mentioned, if not, uh, I'll let her mention it, but uh, doing really nice work, uh, short, almost cameo-esque work as Mycroft Holmes is, hold on, Charles Gray, uh, famously played the criminologist narrator in Rocky Horror Picture Show, and, and does was really also nice Mycroft Holmes in the Granada series, as previously you know, it's, mentioned. It's a ni- it's really nice company to be in. I, I will say that. Yeah, yeah, he's also a Bond villain, I think, at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, how did I like this? Well, uh, for much of the movie, I was a little bit preoccupied with the. Uh, the AT&T, I took my phone to get fixed, and then they broke it worse. So I was all pissed off about that. But anyway, so uh, I thought the beginning part where they're trying to cure him as a, of his addiction and stuff probably could have been a little bit shorter. I guess a lot of the appeal was in all the references to the books that I don't know uh, in his hallucinations. Um, so maybe I didn't quite catch that because I haven't read any of the Sherlock Holmes books. Um, what? What? <laughs> you haven't read Dune. I will. <laughs> um, I read all the Enderskin books. I really like the last half where it's all pretty much just a, a fantastic action movie uh, with yes. sword fighting and trains and explosions and people getting shots. There, I don't just think a flesh wound. He'll be fine. Uh, the engines are. You know. I guess it's kind of a controlled explosion with yeah, the Yeah, the gunshot right. goes off at one point in time. All That's right. All right, all right, all right. Just action and fi- fighting and sword fighting and the guy gets run through and uh, Alan Arkin's going to be amazing superhero number two and jump onto the train with a uh, pistol. And uh, yes, that was all very entertaining and I liked that part. Um, 
And I I did like the uh, cohesion of the eventual ex- explanation of why we see this little boy walking in on this room, blah, 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 throughout the entire thing. Because if they didn't explain that, I would have been like, what? You mean so there's just a little boy doing that sometimes? Hmm. This movie was way too Hollywood to not explain that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, so I'll give it a B. I'll give it a B. A, a bay. Uh, not good. Not great. Not bad. Uh, just, you know, uh, they're entertaining. Um, not spicy. Not bland. But definitely good, wholesome food for thought. Yeah. Madeline, how did you like this movie? I liked it a lot. Um, it had a lot of really great canon references. I was distracted at the beginning of the movie <laughs> by two things, which are Dr. Watson's voiceover because the accent is so funny. Yes. Um, it's very stuffy and like silly sounding, and they do a lot of voiceover with it, which is just like, oh, man, if you're going to have voiceover, have someone with a real British accent do the voiceover. I don't know, man. It makes sense for Watson to do the voiceover, but... Because he's the narrator in the books and everything. But anyway, and also Holmes is blonde, which was like super distracting to me. Can't you dye his hair? Like, I was like, who is who is this guy? He's not Sherlock Holmes because he's blonde. What's going on? But anyway. Chestnut brown. No, it was totally blonde. It was like Brady's hair color. No, no, no. It was like really blonde. blonde. It was really blonde. I'm colorblind. And then Tess pointed out that, that Mary Watson had like dark, like, chestnutty brown, brown hair. hair and like they got the hairs the hairs of Watson's love interests backwards yes. I guess yeah um <laughs> anyway Which one's Mary oh Mary <laughs> <laughs> Watson's one canonical wife as it said in the credits which was pretty entertaining yeah, there were lots of little good. funny footnotes in the credits which made me yeah. like the movie immediately um and so once I got past those two things um I really enjoyed it it had a lot of great references particularly in the hallucination scenes, like there's a, a whole bunch of redheaded people standing there, redheaded league. There's like a ridiculous uh, dog puppet that like jumps out of a crazy wiggly cupboard, like wardrobe thing to reference hounds. And there's the snake on the bell pool from the from the speckled band. Um, and there are probably a few others too, but I'm not remembering them right off the top of my head. Um, think about it. And then there like totally others. the Baron, I was sort of primed to see the Baron as the as the Baron from Scandal in Bohemia because they used an image of a Baron at the beginning of the movie. Um, the the Sydney pageant illustration from that book. Um, and I don't know. I liked all of the psychological stuff. I liked Watson like caring so much about his homes because that's important. He also had a really good mustache. Oh, yeah. Um he he loved him so much. Oh my god, no, he like totally abandoned it. his wife like I have to go, okay? Bye. And she's like, "What? When are you coming back?" And he's like, "I don't know. I have to go." <laughs> my boyfriend is sick. I'm sorry. Um and and uh I don't know. All that stuff is great. Alan Arkin is super good. The deduction scene when he deduces Freud that was solid. That was some, that was solid, some solid deduction shit. stuff. And those are so hard to write. As someone who is making a foray into They're Sherlock really fan fiction hard. myself, they are the hardest thing to write. And I've heard this from like every pastiche author who talks about it. Um, and so, yeah, and it's it's funny. There is like a very stark like delineation between the part where it's like drug drug lock. Okay, so I'm going to use some technical terms from the Sherlock fanfic community yeah. right now. I'm sorry, everyone. What else do drug we Drug lock um, is like when 
when Sherlock, it's the story about Sherlock being on drugs. Those happen a lot. Like elementary is kind of a drug lock fic. Drugs. 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 Um, but then when, as soon as they went and saw the lady and saw that she was like, something was wrong with her, I was like, oh, it's turning into a case fic now. And a case fic is where you make up your own case. Um, and so, yeah, it suddenly but turned. it's a pastiche because a man wrote it. Oh, yeah. It's a pastiche, not fanfic, because a man wrote it and got paid for it. That's the main difference between the two. What if a woman writes and gets paid for it? Then it's, it's probably a, a pastiche. It's still a pastiche. All right. So the main difference is getting paid for it. it. The main difference is getting paid for it. Theoretically. But it's harder for ladies to get paid for it. And I also feel like, um, to to be clear, um, so that nobody listening to this gets weirded out by our use of pastiche, pastiche is also like a style that is um, more canonical, that doesn't, so, so a lot of fanfic would not classify as a pastiche, it has to be um taken it has to take itself seriously it can't make up a bunch of random bullshit it has to like fit within that world and i think that this movie does oh so it's like um, it's like a, a a fanfic that's like canon compliant okay. so so different right. than the or, way i mean like you know even even bbc sherlock could be considered pastiche but it's it's more of an adaptation i think like pastiche mm. i think of as more like canonical and you know, you can't you can't take as many liberties with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to have like the feel of the books and things like that. So okay. Okay. So that pastiche is different in the way that Star Wars is a pastiche by borrowing things from Flash Gordon and and other. Uh, no, that's no, no, no. A pastiche is like an adaptation. An a no, homo- yeah. A pastiche oh, is like well, we an adaptation. We talked about it a lot in film school about how how pastiche, pastiche was is borrow. If you if you take a whole bunch of different maybe cinematic techniques and no. use them all in one thing. All right. Well, that was one of the things about I Star mean, Wars in film school. So pastiche is, pastiche is like a fancy word for fanfic, but it's, uh, I mean, it, 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 it requires right. so that it be a little more all serious. All I'm saying is the way that you're saying pastiche now is different than that other kind of pastiche, yeah, which I was just referencing. It has multiple definitions. I think you're both right. Um, it just depends on which context you're using it in. It, it sort of right. implies like a mixture of, of so things and taking that a thing that already exists. In the context in which you just described it. Okay. So I guess, I mean, what, do I have anything else to say? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I enjoyed the drug lock part. I enjoyed the case fic. It was cute. Um, and the swashbuckly part was very exciting and very, I was just like, oh, my God, they're chasing trains. How are they having chains, trains chase each other? What? Um, and it was just like so Hollywood. I couldn't believe it. It was hilarious and fun. And I was shouting at the screen. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and then it got wrapped up with a nice little Freudian analytical bow, bow at the end, which was nice. Um, so I'd give it, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I guess I'd give it like, yeah, the same grade as Tess, like a B plus A minus somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, it was a really good adaptation. They were both really like Holmes and Watson were really in character, which I liked. And there were a lot of canon references, which don't always happen in adaptations. So I really liked that. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. So uh, should we go to plot lines and then we'll come back and do what's it all about? Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds like a plan. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. And welcome to Plot Lines, the game where we have like six billion people this time. Uh, it is going to be me, Rob, being the game runner. We also have Maddie and Tess and Grandy, fresh from his travels in Utah, and also Brady and quite right. Okay, let's get this game started here. Ooh, my computer cannot find imdb.com. 
Should I go back to reading my Sherlock fanfic out loud? Yes. We'll, no, we'll we're playing. We're no, we're playing the game right now. We're recording. Okay. Of course not. <laughs> this is exciting. I, I know. We're waiting time. for you to get IMDb happening. This is as foot as the game gets. Yeah, I, I thought it would entertain your <laughs> listeners while you're looking on IMDb. No, we'll just out the <laughs> it gaps. will entertain no one. <laughs> I think as long as you declare intermission before you start, it it would be proper. I was making a joke. I wasn't actually gonna do it, unless you all wanted me to. Yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to find one with Moriarty in it so that I can read that. Moriarty. <laughs> no rush. Yeah, will she find that, that before Rob finds Potts and So just to be clear, what do we have to say about the... We're just trying to guess the movie is all we're doing. Yeah, you Based need to know the plot, movie's yes. title. That is correct. That's all we have to do. Yeah. We don't, don't have to know the year. You don't, don't have to know, know anything. Year, I will say the, director, the year. You don't have to know shit. Okay. You just I, need I, to be I, able I, to tell what the title of the movie is from its synopsis. And you have and to be... And so here we are going to start. Blazing Saddles. In the first century <laughs> BC, the Roman Republic... Say your name first. Go ahead. In the first century BC, the Roman Republic has slid into corruption. It's menial work done by armies of slaves. Of these, a profound and gifted Brady. man. Spartacus? From 1960, correct. Yeah. Kubrick. Kubrick, uh, work for hire, but that's beautiful work for hire. Alright, so Brady has one point, and I forgot to say we're playing to five points. Yeah, the other rule is that Brady always wins. <laughs> well, so far. Brady will be unseated eventually. It's true. I was unseated on Metacritical, and now the seal has been broken. Right, Rob? Pick something that only I know. <laughs> I don't know what you know. <laughs> A New York City doctor who's married to an art curator pushes himself on a harrowing and dangerous... Brady? Uh, what dreams may come? Night-long odyssey... <laughs> Of sexual and moral discovery after his wife admits that she is once almost. Oh, Ethan. Ethan. Eyes wide shut. Correct, from 1999. So Ethan has one point. Mm. Brady has one point. All right. Well done, Ethan. <laughs> Thank you, my main opposition. A dark horse <laughs> appears. <laughs> A young woman gets mixed up. With a disgraceful spy who is trying to clear his name. Tessa. Tessa. Charade. Once again, Charades. a young woman gets mixed up with a disgraced spy who is trying to clear his name. Pretty. North by Northwest? Once again, a young I was woman say that too. gets mixed up. With a disgraced spy who is trying to clear his name. Tessa. Tessa, you have James already guessed. Bond movie. <laughs> Alright, nobody wants to guess? Uh, Grandy? Yes, sir. Uh, that movie with about Jason Bourne, the first one. Minority? No. No. <laughs> What's the name? So are we moving on? The Does anybody Bourne. else have a guess? Maddie, right? Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. No. 
All right, the answer was Night and Day. The answer was Night and Day, starring Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. Really milking the whole Scientology thing tonight, aren't we, Rob? Is he a Scientologist? Yeah. Always people you'd never expect. And him. When his new father-in-law, the king, falls ill, the protagonist is looked at as an heir to the land of... Brady. Uh, King Rob. To the land of far, far away. <laughs> Not one to give up his beloved swamp. Oh, Maddie Shrek! Shrek! Maddie gets it. I call, I, yeah. The protagonist <laughs> recruits his friend... Tess Shrek 2! Tess Donkey. Shrek 3! Tess cannot Tess guess Shrek again. Settle down, settle down. Not one to give up his beloved swamp. The protagonist recruits his friends, Donkey and Puss in Boots, to install the rebellious... Brandy, uh, Shrek 3? I'm looking for a proper title. I'll give you five seconds. Oh. Rob, fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> that was not Rob. Ignore what this woman said. I don't know the proper title for that one. To install the rebellious Artie as Ethan, the new king. Oh, Ethan. Ethan. Sh- Shrek 2, now I'm a believer. <laughs> Incorrect. Princess Fiona, however, rallies a band of royal girlfriends to fend off a coup de jump by the jilted Prince Charming. All right, everyone's guessed, I think. I right? feel like I have lied to myself right now because Rob, I should really be guessed. saying I really have no idea what you're talking about. The oh, correct answer was this? Shrek the Third. What is this Shrek garbage that you're. What? Who is Shrek? What is a Shrek? Well, he's, this time he's Shrek the Third. Because there's been two other Shreks that you didn't know about. Apparently. Apparently. All right, no, so the wait, score is still Ethan won, Brady won. And wait, did so. Yeah, nobody got Nobody Night got it. Nobody got Shrek the Third. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. Why would anyone know that that is that? In a future. Where special police are able to arrest murderers. Shrek, Actually, Matt, Brandy. Maddie. I mean, Brandy. Brandy. I said Maddie first. Oh, I said Shrek. Shrek is incorrect. <laughs> is able to arrest Brady. I said it, Maddie. Brady already said it. No, Maddie said it. I said it. I you haven't said the title. I said she said minority report. report. I, didn't hear you. I heard Sorry. her. I did it. I did it. I have a lot of people yelling in my ears right now. It's been recorded. Stop making me think my name is Shrek. Whoever's <laughs> doing that. I like that no. you said it wrong when you said Shrek. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because this plot synopsis says in a future espresso police is able to arrest murderers. Espresso police. Espresso. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we have Maddie one, Brady one, and Ethan one. Right, this is a close one so far. Oh yeah. Quite good. Grandy, you helped me with that last one. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking equilibrium. Intermission. A couple's seemingly solid marriage begins to crumble when the wife discovers that her husband intends to divorce her. A couple's seemingly <laughs> solid marriage begins to crumble. This is a horrible plot synopsis. When the wife discovers 
that her husband intends to divorce her. That would be the definition of a crumbling marriage. Does anybody have a, a guess? I will give Brady, everyone a hint if no one has a guess. Brady, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? A couple! I was gonna <laughs> say that too. <laughs> But hint? no, because I waste okay, all my turns yelling stuff. Okay, I will give a hint to the stuff. rest of the people, since Brady didn't obviously go, ooh, wait, a hint might help in this case. I'm going to guess anyway. I didn't uh, know we could only go once until, like, yeah, I think that it, a little Otherwise, you could just be like, test this, test that, test. Yeah, but nobody that, that had it. And then there was... That's why you can't do that. We should That's just have real have buzzers. Nice Brady, Lawrence of Arabia. Brady, white chicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In Tyler Perry's fame film, a couple, semi solid marriage begins to crumble when the wife discovers that her husband intends Matt, to divorce Maddie, her. Is it one of the Medea movies? No. Okay. <laughs> even... You gotta have the actual movie title. If Shrek Three doesn't work, you gotta be pretty specific. Yeah, I wish I was a mad black woman. Coming next summer, one of the Medea movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> one day. All right. This is a. This will be a good one. This will be one everybody can relate to. Mm. A mild-mannered chemist. And an ex-con, no, it's not Breaking Bad, must <laughs> lead the counter-strike when a rogue group of military men led by a renegade general threaten a nerve gas attack from... Brady. Uh, the Rock. Correct. Oh. From How did you know that? Nerve That's gas. the blood of The Rock! That. I forgot he was a mild-mannered chemist. Mild-mannered. <laughs> 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 That's Nick Cage against type. <laughs> he can do against type. Yeah, it, yeah was, it was starting to sound. I do like believe that. in the cage. He's just a performance Legal artist of the spree. I like it. Dog. That's that's Brady. Two, Ethan one, Maddie one. Right. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. To foil an extortion plot, an FBI agent undergoes a Grandy, uh, catch me if you can. Face Brady. transplant surgery. Tessa, house. face off. Brady with the it. it was Big Mama's house. Oh, you said Big Mama's house. I did. Oh, Tess gets it with face off. <laughs> at the same time maybe we should wait until I determine which is the better first. movie we leave it to you listeners <laughs> Tess gets it more Yay. than Tess two for Tess I was so hopeful Point it was me. Big Mama's oh, wait, Tess. one for Tess one for Maddie one for Ethan and two for Brady I thought Face I can't believe you said Big Mama's house I just assumed you were right because you were buzzing you just heard somebody say Face <laughs> Off and you were like must have been Brady no, no I just heard Brady buzz in and I assumed he was right <laughs> Rob, I'm beginning to believe you're more of a John Woo fan than a Martin Lawrence fan. Is this true? <laughs> I've only done one John Woo movie. No. Woo peed on my <laughs> Misdirected Woo. A disillusioned assassin accepts one last hit in hopes of using his earnings to restore Brady. vision. Brady. Oh shit, Looper. To a singer, he accidentally <laughs> blinded 
only to be double-crossed by his boss. <laughs> I'll read it again. What is blind target? <laughs> a disillusioned assassin accepts one last hit. I'm on Jeopardy of using and I his... shit up. Play the fucking game and stop talking over it. No! Instead of using his earnings to restore vision to a singer he accidentally blinded, only to be double-crossed by his boss! Is it a Muppet movie? <laughs> no, it's The Killer from 1989. You didn't give anybody else a What's chance. I was just trying to be new. Wild Target is just about Who Martin Freeman killer, having Rob? fake teeth as far as I can tell. Oh, did John Lewis? It's just a famous John Lewis. We'll put him on the map in America. Oh, okay. Did I say Wild Target? Oh. I didn't mean to. Are you guys all ready for another one, or are you yeah. going to talk? All right. Both. Hitmen kill an unresisting victim as investigator Reardon uncovers his past involvement with beautiful, deadly Kitty Collins. <gasps> oh, not Ethan. Ethan. LA Confidential. No. Hitmen kill an unresisting victim when investigator Reardon uncovers... His past involvement with beautiful, deadly Kitty Collins. Kitty Collins? Kitty Collins. Samurai Cat. Tessa. Any, Tessa? Los Angeles Secrets. Anybody else have a guess? No. 1946 film, The Killers, by Robert Siadman. <laughs> Does Robert nobody who? know that movie? No. All right. Much for film buffs, you guys are okay. Cool. This one will be should be easier. Could be two victims of traumatized childhoods become lovers and psychopathic serial murderers, irresponsibly glorified by Brady Natural Born Killers from 1994. Okay. You're picking like really violent, upsetting movies. I'm that just I don't kind watch. of following a train of <laughs> actors. Just or, clicking on buttons. Uh, no, I'm just going through. You know, everything's related to something else somehow. Okay. You know, it's not like it's just random. The killers is related to the killer. Explain. They both have nearly the same title. I agree to disagree. <laughs> okay, so on. Brady has three, Maddie has one, Tess has one, and Ethan has one. Okay. An Iowa corn. Brady, Ethan. Field of Dreams. Ethan. Uh, north by Northwest. Brady, Field of Dreams. Brady, you win. That one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so Brady four, Maddie one, Ethan one, Tess one. Oh, I got one. Coming out of left field. Field of Dreams. Something I'm pretty sure Mayball. everyone here has seen. <laughs> that might have been the tagline. <laughs> Coming out of left field, ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm selling myself out. I love that movie. I feel so ashamed. You made me watch that. It's a good It's a great movie. Is it as good as Bull Durham? It's a... Uh, Better in my opinion. Ready? Comparable. 
A young pilot stumbles onto a prototype. Ethan. Ethan. Ender's game. Tessa. Tessa. The Rocketeer. From 1991. Nice. Yes! Right. I only knew about <laughs> I really bounced there because I didn't I, because everybody would be like, I, I would have known once you got to the part about one when of the I characters being Jet based Pack. on Betty Page. That okay. would have... So Tess has two <laughs> now. I only know about the Rocketeer from an early episode of a cracked magazine where they spoofed it. The Crocketeer. So, Brady four, Tess two, Maddie one, Ethan one. Focusing on a trio of friends and their elaborate plan to pull off a simple robbery and go on the run. Brady, Spring Breakers? Does anybody else have a guess? Maddie the Bling Ring? Okay, I'm going to get a better plot synopsis for this film and open it up to everybody again. Okay. In Texas, a protagonist rescues another protagonist from a voluntary psychiatric unit where he has been staying for self-described exhaustion. One of the protagonists has an elaborate escape plan and developed a 75-year plan he shows to another protagonist. The plan is to pull off several heists and then meet up with a third person, a landscaper and part-time criminal known to the second person. Ethan. Ethan. The usual suspects. As a practical heist, <laughs> the two men break into the first person's house, stealing specific items from a list. Afterward, critiquing the heist, the second person reveals that he took a pair of earrings not specific on the list. This upsets Brady, the first band person. of outsiders? As he bought those earrings for his mother. The first person visits... Okay. Anybody else have any guesses? Don't think so. Because this plot synopsis could go on for some time. I don't think any of us know this, or we would have gotten it by earrings. Bottle Rocket by... Bottle Rockets! Haven't seen it! Yeah, that's the one that I haven't seen. We should watch that. We should. Yeah, I'm down. Wes Anderson's first. Yeah, it's the only one I haven't seen. I bought it for my brother, but I never watched it. All right. Two sisters join the first female... Brady. A League of Their Own. From 1992. Oh man. Uh, Brady is the winner with five to two to one to one to none. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for playing Bloodline! What's it all about? Uh, I guess the girls want to talk about what it's all about. I, I do want to say what I think it's all about. Yeah, we, well, we all do, right? Did you want to go? You can go. I <laughs> hey, we all have to. Oh, um, yeah. What's it all about? I think that it's all about Sigmund Freud. Um, <laughs> really, I do. Because, um, and this is like one of the things that I mainly wanted to talk about is how much of the imagery, like, is very, like, Sigmund Freud, like, classical, like, stereotypical, just things you would think that he would 
you know, think had to do with sex or your, uh, you know, deep seated dreamlike ideas. There's there is a fucking sword fight on top of a train at the end that goes through a tunnel. Somebody gets stabbed through like for no reason. They have guns. They also have guns. You know, and there's uh, there's like a lot of snakes on ropes and um, just a whole lot of like very, very Freudian imagery throughout the entire movie. And then at the end, you find out like all of his issues have to do with like him walking in on his mom having an affair. And um, yeah, to me, what's it all about? Sigmund Freud. (laughs) I think that's the main thing I wanted to say. So. No. Okay. Who wants to go next? I I guess I'll keep with the order established by um, you know the other thing we did. (laughs) How did we like it? Clockwise. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Clockwise. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, So yeah, you know, I'm actually with Tess. I mean, you know, if I have a mini criticism of this movie, I don't think it's exactly the kind that's super about something on any thematic level but if it is about anything other than just being an enjoyable Sherlock Holmes adventure with lots of love for the character and its references I think yeah it is a love letter from the fictional father of consulting detectives to the very real life father of uh, a very different kind of detection which the movie actually does a good job Mm -hmm. of actually making clear Uh, so yeah I think it works best as as a letter, a love letter to Sigmund Freud. I, I mean, that's a very specific niche thing for a movie to be about. But you know what? Like I'll say, I didn't even touch on this. One of the scenes I like best is just the simple uh, squash match between yeah. Freud and the Baron. And I think because Arkin is the best actor in the show and because that character is colored so nicely, it does operate nicely as, as a love letter to that character. So I think that's what it's about, if anything. Okay. Uh, I think it's about several things. I mean, it seems like uh, obviously written by uh, very much a Sherlock Holmes fan. It takes, uh, it falls in the gap of um, what is that? Is a hiatus? The hiatus. The yeah. hiatus. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, I believe that the way this was written, based on what I've read about it, was that the uh, it's not the final solution because that's Hitler's thing. Final problem. The, the final problem. problem and the empty house didn't happen, and they were merely publications uh, published to call in. Uh, to explain to his hiatus. Right, to explain the hiatus. And uh, actually, he was addicted to drugs the entire time. Um, and maybe He was in rehab. He was in rehab, and then he was touring around playing violin. Okay, but maybe this uh, author didn't like that explanation, so he chose to make those two things, you know, just publications that were non-relevant. Uh, because a lot of, I think there's a lot of people who don't like that explanation. I mean, beyond just the most recent TV show, yeah. right? They go like, ah, kind of, unt- you didn't... Arthur Conan Doyle, you brought him back to life just because we told you to. Mm-hmm. And you didn't really explain it. And you're just like, well, you told me to bring him back. So fuck, fuck the reasons. Because you told me to, damn it. Um, so, you know, a lot of people found that unsatisfactory. I think this author might be one of those people. And it's interesting oh, yeah. to take... This is a retcon for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting to take uh, kind of anti-heroes or people who exist out like uh, on the fringes of their fields, maybe, like Sherlock... And uh, and uh, Sigmund Freud and just kind of write a, a letter to them and say, like, you know what? I like that you were on the fringe of your profession. I think the people who are on the fringe of their profession are cool. So, Sigmund Freud, you are cool. Let's have you be cool in the way that Sherlock Holmes is cool. 
Uh, this will be nice. Have fun. Sword fight, pistol whip, then <laughs> basically whip. pillage your way through a train race going through the middle of the countryside to stop the bad guys. Who are the Turks, obviously, because Ottoman Empire, you know, 1893. Uh, screw those guys, you know. Yeah, yeah. what do you think it's all about, Maddie? So, I agree with Tess, um, but I also agree with you that, yeah, it's a fix-it fic. It's like a classic yeah. fix-it fic. <laughs> so, like, the thing about the Arthur Conan Doyle stories is that he didn't know what he had. He he hated Sherlock Holmes for a lot of his career and felt trapped by him. And so, he wrote The Final Problem as sort of just, like, a way to kill off Holmes really quick. It's actually not that great a story, even though it gets adapted all the time because it's the one with Moriarty in it. And everybody loves the idea of Holmes having an arch nemesis who's as sprite as he is. But he's, like, hardly there. And so, and, like, also, yeah, so... Like, it's the thing that's, like, most ripe to go, like, oh, this was such a great idea. It was such the, a great nucleus of something. I really want to expand it and explore it and make, you know, fill it out more, flesh it out more. Because um, it's just, like, the bare skeleton of a story. And so, like, this is Nicholas Meyer going, like, here is what I want to have happened. And, it, you know, people have been doing it for a long time. It's really easy to do it with Sherlock Holmes stories because they have such, like, beautiful, great little tidbits in them and, like, really great clever plots and really great characters but they leave you a lot of wiggle room um inside of them to like fill in the blanks and fill in what happened off screen and like fill in how maybe things secretly actually happened that you know watson didn't write down um mm -hmm. that's definitely a big trope is like oh no this is what actually secretly happened like you know secretly they were gay and then you know like all this stuff mm -hmm. was like a cover-up like i don't know there are all sorts of different ways to like yeah to approach writing Holmes pastiches but yeah so I think that's other than it being like a love letter to Sigmund Freud it's also about that desire that Sherlock Holmes stories sort of like gives people to like fill it in more and like fill in the gaps and fill in the blanks that Conan Doyle left behind. I, I want to say on that note um, that uh, in the way that um, well Maybe not on that note. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, there's, like, a huge fandom thing where he's, like, trying to retcon things that he doesn't care for. And I don't know if anybody cares for, you know, the explanation for um, the... the, like, Bar the Baritsu? The, yeah, the Baritsu explanation. Nobody. Uh, nobody the Bartitsu. Um, <laughs> he even got but, the name of his fake martial art wrong. Oh, no, it's yeah. not fake. It's a real martial it's art. It's a real martial art. But he it was like, he got the name wrong. And it's like a really interesting sort of like, uh, it's this martial art that this guy Bartholomew, some dumb thing like, mm -hmm made by mixing all of these different martial arts together and then tried to popularize so yeah it's like it's this really Victorian. obscure thing it's like all about like throwing people's hoods over their heads and hitting them with their own cane <laughs> and like hooking them with an umbrella yeah. and stuff haha <laughs> how about you sir like <laughs> you what was what was the catchphrase yeah, and and then you can uh wait what was it no, oh, i'm never gonna man. remember um then you can something as you see fit. Yeah. Belabor him. Belabor as him as you see fit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm totally digressing. Um, what I was going to say is that the the writer of this also recently apparently penned a miniseries about Harry Houdini. Oh. Um, and so he, he is, I think, as much a Sherlock Holmes nerd as he is a nerd about real life people that existed at the turn of the century 
then and just really like wants to do historical fiction stuff that involves people that he really admires from that time. Um, and Harry Houdini, uh, incidentally, was a, a good friend of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's um, until they had a falling out over Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's spiritualism. So little footnote on the author um, of 7% Solution. He's uh, a huge Holmes nerd, apparently, and also a history nerd from that time. And that was, I think, the main thing I wanted to say. <laughs> but um, yay for retconning. Yeah. Yay. that's like that's like the, the and it's so fun to think of like that is a thing that fandoms have been doing since forever we've been, we've been retconning like, for sir arthur continuity doyle for, <laughs> for like over a century it's and it's such a it's such a fandom thing to do like i've been doing that since, since i was a kid and i was watching inspector gadget and going when did he get that and like filling in like in my head like okay so somebody had to lay this this detective down on a table and build this new thing into his chest and like I'm building this emotional story in the back of my mind for how this dumbass <laughs> inspector gadget like got all these things built into him that I didn't see from episode to episode like it's just it's a thing that we do it's why Sherlock it's why Sherlock and Venture Brothers are my two favorite shows they are the kings of retconning everything that I ever grew up with <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay that sounds like a good pretty decent uh ideas of what it's all about should we go do a song and then come back with because maddie's got some sherlocky songs Ooh. to play so so we'll go do one of those and we'll come back and do final thoughts and maybe figure out what the hell we're gonna do next week uh, final thoughts. We haven't even talked about any any individual scenes yet. Well, okay, then we'll talk about individual scenes when we get back, and and blah 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 blah. Okay. Hey everybody. So I guess we're gonna do some particular scenes. Uh, does anybody have anything in mind? Because uh, nothing jumps out of me. Well, you know what? Never mind a particular scene, but. I'm interested in something in the idea of the, the retconning. Uh, and that's, uh, I think, uh, A, I, I'm fascinated by something that Maddie said about it, which kind of illuminates this idea of us kind of filling the gaps of art with our own selves. And I certainly do it. Like, I, I'll overlook, uh, I'm willing to overlook a lot, of flaw, uh, a lot of flaws if I feel like something in the major thematic meat of a story is speaking to something that I feel is important either in a worldwide terms or in emotional terms. Uh, but my question is, because Ross and I would sometimes debate this, and he, uh, on the other end, when criticizing something, might say, well, if I change this and this and this and this, then it would become the movie I wanted it to be. Mm. So the question is, how far do we go in, in applying our own life, our own thoughts to a film to fix it? And when and when is that not advisable because something is too flawed? I want to um, say that it's not about changing the things that are there. It's about filling gaps that confuse you or um, leave a lot to the imagination. Um, so it's not about going, oh, instead of saying this, he should have said that. Or, you know, instead of being Pirates of the Caribbean 2, it should have been this fanfic I wrote. Like, it, it's not about saying, like, everything should be different. It's about going, well, you know, uh, this this thing happened, and then there's this giant gap, 
and I don't know what happened there. So I'm going to make up like something that connects them that makes sense to me. Um, and I'm like failing to come up with examples. But Maddie, do you want to help me? Because <laughs> I'm sure that. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the hiatus itself is a prime example of that. I mean, like you're given the explanation that he was he was dismantling Moriarty's network in the book, right? That's the that's what he's he says in the book is that he was off dismantling Moriarty's network while they all thought he was dead. That's why he couldn't tell Watson, whatever. And so, but you don't see that. You don't know that. You don't know that that's actually happening. And so what he's done, what Nicholas Meyer does is he fills it in with, "Oh no, he was suffering from a drug addiction and like he did all this stuff instead. And I guess that is kind of changing it, but it's still something that's left to the imagination. And so it's a little bit different. It's changing it, I think, in a different way than like, oh, this should be changed as opposed to taking something that is there and saying, well, the reason that Watson wrote it that way was because Holmes told him to. Because yeah. it's it's you're actually reading Watson's work and um it's not it's not a stretch and it actually it's kinder to watson in a lot of ways i find yeah. than to trick him than to just be like i'm gonna go get well and i'll see you in a few years what should i tell your fans oh make something up i'll see you later it's like you know kinder. and that's so it, it's all like to me it all i was all i was like i love this because it's so much nicer to him like it, it, it's kind in a way that I, I need the character to be, and he's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does have kind <laughs> moments, but sometimes he's a real jerk. Like, he gets kinder later after the hiatus. Like he comes back, <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh shoot, I should be nicer to Watson." But then he still says dickish things to Watson. But overall, he's nice to Watson. But Watson doesn't. Uh, he's he deals with. He it. doesn't mind. <laughs> so here's an example from like BBC Sherlock. This is kind of silly, but. Um, like a popular thing right now is because like there's a huge, huge gap in the last episode of the third season where you don't know what's happening. I guess this is a spoiler cast, but no one's expecting this spoiler. So I'm just going to say that there's like a big time gap from like uh, about a month after um, Watson gets married to Mary, which every hundred year old spoilers and and mm. um so something happens then a month after the marriage and then there's like a big time jump all the way to Christmas time and it's like several several months and like we have no idea what happened and so a lot of fanfic that's happening right now fills in that time gap with what we think happened and what we think went on in that part because you know like it's left to the imagination and we want to know what these characters are doing and like think about how we want the characters to react to the situation and we didn't get it and so it's like okay we're going to write the scene where they're you know where they're together at 221b hanging out or we're gonna write the scene where you know like something dramatic happened and they care about each other because like we missed that whole thing um and yeah. so that's that's kind of i think like what fandom likes to do yeah. you know yeah um does that make sense Oh yeah, no. Uh, to be clear, I I was mostly just playing Socrates because I find the idea of it interesting, and I think yeah. it speaks to. I mean, there is always this Rorschach element to art, mm. where we're left to interpret and we're left to fill in gaps, which is why a lot of art isn't just about what happens on screen, but about negative space and stuff yep, like that. Totally. So it's all very interesting. Rob, what do you think? Uh, that all sounds good. I don't really have many thoughts on Sherlock. Kind of OD'd on Sherlock. In uh, general, just by being sorry. around these two all the time. Well, we were supposed to be talking about scenes that we liked, right? Well, I mean, 
the sword fighting scene was cool. It was a fucking sword fight on top of a train. It, it was, was a really sword cool. fight on top of a fucking train. And but there's not it, like a whole lot you can say it, about it. There's it, no like mise-en-scene going on that you go like, this means this. No, it's just a sword fight on top of a fucking train. I mean, sexy. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, well, I was going to say that like one of the things that while we were watching it, um, I feel like all of us were going, oh, uh, um, now I'm blanking. Um, Back to the Future. Robin Hood? Back to the Future. Uh, I was kind of going Robin like, Hood, but I know. There, that he's like edging his way along the train. Like, oh, yeah, And he, there like, was yeah. there were so many things that I think like, other movies have done since then that it would, uh, you know, maybe it's just such a Hollywood thing that everyone was thinking about it, but it also felt really like there were lots of movies that have done scenes like this, yeah. like you know, Snowpiercer even, yeah. like had like a they lot go of a homage. And they're still fighting. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Speed. There's like a little stuff, mm-hmm. I guess, from scenes that I wanted to talk about. If we're done talking about the train, okay. Yeah. I like trains, but. You know, I like trains. I like trains. He likes trains. Um, sorry, Sherlock thing again. Anyway, um, the somebody said earlier that the art direction for this was nominated, and I loved the art direction in this movie. I really like two two one B looked great. It was a really nice two two one B. You always have to look for like what it looks like. Oh yeah. I don't know. It was very charming and cluttered, and I liked it a lot. I liked the chemistry set that he was making his coffee on, like that sort of thing. Um, and then also the wallpaper at Sigmund Freud's house was great. I always appreciate good wallpaper in my Sherlock Holmes adaptations. I don't know why I like wallpaper. I paint on wallpaper, um, so that was really cool. And like I'm just and like Freud's office was really beautiful and really well done. Yeah. And like like again, I said earlier, but that that deduction scene was outstanding that it was really re- that was. was really a highlight yeah like yeah i yeah. don't know that was that's that was such a good deduction that carried because he didn't really do that many more deductions he did one uh, he did one other that with the woman oh that, yeah like, that, that and then she wakes up and tells them what happened but he you know his first impulse is like well who abducted you instead of like what happened so yeah she, like, jumps yeah into it yeah but that's just like a little what one happened, but that's it's a little but it was happened? good it was good yeah. But that's just sort of that's that seems like the way that you have to do Sherlock is that yeah. you like have him do a really really stellar deduction at the beginning and mm-hmm. then you just sort of like take the rest of what Ride he says it. as gospel for the rest of the movie. Yep. And I like I like that they did that really well. Yeah. And that's I mean what else can you do? They're really hard to write. <laughs> um but, one of the things oh you Oh no, but like yeah, you were right the like ankle, the cuts on her ankles yeah. and him deducing stuff was like from that was really good. Down the pole. Yeah. yeah. Um, she slid down a drain pipe and oh one of the things that you said when you were doing your like plot synopsis that I was like almost gonna like jump in on um is like she she tries to kill herself because she can't like deal with her addiction without going back to her captors and like there was some way that you worded it that I thought didn't explain that oh I just wanted to say (laughs) thank you um but um yeah so one of the things that I liked um is that uh Sigmund Freud like brings him a Stradivarius which mm. in the books he has like he he just adores them and like he will like prattle on about how much he loves Stradivariuses and they're better than any other oh, he does. violin he, or like, whatever. He takes Watson so to dinner he, like, and just yeah, won't shut up about yeah, it. won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> so like uh, um, he brings him a Stradivarius for him to play which as far as I know in the books like he's never owned one. I think no, that would have been mentioned. He does own does one. He own, does yeah. he own one? Oh, he, okay. he, bought, he bought it from like some like 
I think Maddie like a knows. Jewish pawnbroker guy or well, something. Billion. Billion. Like no I idea what that he about had. BBC Sherlock, if like he had, if he has one. I don't like, know. I've always been curious, but I don't think he does because but they're very rare now, and you would know. Yeah, but I think back then but maybe they were less rare, and he they had, were they were less rare. So he he had a Stradivarius in canon that um, he bought okay. for like way cheaper than it should have been. That he, sounds like, fair. Got a deal. I kind of had I kind of have a head canon. Excuse me. <laughs> I have kind of a head canon that like. Um, he like found a stolen one and just keeps it in his room. Yeah. For those who don't know, a head cannon <laughs> is like your own personal story yeah, of how something of what yeah. happened. So yeah, it's not canonical, but it's canonical in your head. I have a head cannon that he found a stolen one, and it was like too stolen to like give back. So he's like, I'm just gonna keep this. Yeah, <laughs> but that's me. Um. So anyway, he like brings him. He brings him a strad to play, and like um. Then there's a scene of like a window outside of of uh, Freud's office, and he he plays the strad. No, he plays the strad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear here. Um and and like you see and it's like this classic um, like classic thing where he's like playing and you see the lighted window and then the camera pans down and then instead of seeing two two one you see the number on like oh yeah uh, Freud's door yeah what was, was it I think it's ninety three ninety three something oh, like that was it yeah. I thought it was ninety one but maybe something. you're right uh, you might be right. or nineteen maybe um, even, but yeah like and like that. I thought I I thought that was really interesting was when really I nice. saw it I was like wow. They know what they're doing and they're just like kind of messing with us. <laughs> like let's subvert the canon a little bit. And yeah. I, I thought that was really I thought that was really nice. Um well done. Well yeah, to me what that had to it, uh, and something that I think really works to the movie's benefit is just whatever the movie lacks in directorial visual panache, I think it makes up for a lot in just sweetness. Uh, a very unassuming sweetness. It, th- and this is something m- movies, I think, need to do more, is just you can get so much power in just simply showing n- likable characters that clearly care about each other. Yeah. you know, it, John Watson has that in spades. Yeah, for as important as conflict is to making a movie interesting, and, and you do want to have conflict always, I think, I like movies that have moments that just are about uh, allowing the sweetness of a character to come through. And that came through to me in that window shot, kind of Holmes finding a home away from home Mm -hmm. in this act of kindness. It even came through in that tennis scene for me, just watching Watson cheer on Sigmund Freud. Yeah, Yeah. he's the the best cheerleader. (laughs) Um, Oh, there was something that you reminded me of instantly, and then I forgot. Um, What was it? Oh. Squash. Brutal sport. It's it, it's no, so what were you crazy. saying before you mentioned squash? Mm, nice characters. Mm. Oh, that yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> so like as he's bringing this was another scene I really liked as he's bringing um, uh, Holmes in with the bloodhound and they've like finished this ridiculous chase that exists in their minds. Like he's trying to tell him that it's a trick before he has a chance to be embarrassed by it. So he's going, uh, Holmes, Holmes, I really should tell you. And Holmes is going like, bah, you, huh? And then I'm in a doctor's office and what's going on? And then he's like, by the time he gets there and like starts to put it together himself, he's like, oh God, I wish you had listened so (laughs) that we could avoid you like thinking that I'm like fucking with you, even though he was, but he was like, trying to stop him and go wait a minute let me tell you what is actually going on before you get mad 
and uh, I just really liked that. He doesn't yeah. get a chance to, but I thought that was really ni- a nice touch, a nice like little bit of like Watson script niceness. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, I totally left out Toby. Um, Toby. <laughs> they use they use Toby the dog from the sign of four to find to trace um, Moriarty from the train station, like all the way to where they are supposed to end up and so toby is so, in the something with vanilla or something yeah vanilla extract he Instead dumps of... vanilla into the road so that the the cart like goes through drives it. over it and then the dog can follow the the dog cart or whatever it oh, is oh i see yeah. yeah he's a good boy in the in the he's book Tess said, said yeah then they say and Tess said they use creosote instead yeah. but he's like oh vanilla extract is way better yeah so and like yeah toby was cute it was cute dog time yeah so we're we're running out of time, so maybe we should come back, uh, do a game, and then come back and do uh, final thoughts. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. I made a critical. Rob's never gonna win. I made a critical. Brady's the victor again. Woo-hoo. So it's time to play. Ooh-hoo. I'm gonna lose today. Metacritical, yeah, it's time, time to play. Uh, so we're going to start with Get Smart, which is, uh, what year is that, Brady-ish? Oh, I'm going to say it's 2007. All right, and Brady's scorekeeping for us. Eight, it's 2008. 2008, okay. Of course Brady knows that. He's crazy. Um, He's sexy. I'm going to go ahead and say that Get Smart probably got around a 45. Okay, are we going clockwise on this? Yeah, uh, go from me to Maddie. Okay, uh, you said 45? Yes. Um, I guess... Wait, what? Uh, 40? 48. 67. Hey, Maddie, could you say something again real quick? 40. Oh, you're good. You you were really quiet before, but that's okay. Um, anyway, go on. Brady's going with a fifty-five. And Ethan, get smart. Two thousand eight. Thirty-eight. Ooh, that's terrible. I agree. I think <laughs> nothing should ever have been done to get smart, but let it reign supreme in the, the memories of my childhood. You're absolutely yeah. right. I agree. People I used to play that when I was a kid. Though. Did you have a shoe phone? Yeah, we Were all you had shoe phones. I was 99. My best friend Michael was um, was 86, and my brother was the guy that always hides inside of shit. He had a much bigger role in this uh, kids game than you would in <laughs> and this show. The, and the actual score was 54. Wow, good job, Brady. Nice. So, uh, Brady, what, how do we figure that out? What I are we doing to our next movie? It. What are we doing in our next movie? Or? Oh, uh, next movie is uh, starring Steve Carell, the star of Get Smart. Oh, right, because Evan Carell's in there. Okay, so we're going to do Evan Almighty next. We'll, we'll kind of just let it hang out there so Brady has time to do the math. Because he's doing a lot more math this time. Is Evan Almighty a sequel to... Uh, Bruce Almighty. That's what I thought. Oh, is it? Oh. Well, it's, a, it's not like a sequel. It's just like another story involving the same god. 
Who's and the same character who's, from Bruce Almighty. Who's Morgan Freeman? Yeah, he's the one. Oh, wait, so he's right. the yeah, he's he the radio the, uh, or the the TV news host that like temporarily gets blighted with an inability right. to Which speak. Which is weird because the in that thing he's, he's actually Bruce Almighty. Yeah. He's actually not a TV no- news host though. Like in the movie he's like a governor or something. I don't know what happened, but he's I remember he's I on it. TV news and he's like all of a sudden blighted by um Jim Carrey's as God, and he's like doing this whole right. like yeah, that happened in Bruce Almighty, joke. but but in Evan Almighty, he wasn't on TV. He was like a, a governor or senator or something. He was but reading a big ass bill. What we're saying is that was the same character. He was reprising that role. Oh, okay. So at one point in time, he was a TV news announcer or something. Yeah, 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 it, it is the same character, right? Evan Baxter. That's that's horrible writing on their part because he became a governor after that or something. Well, people that are in TV can run for... This is, like, the only possible, like, defense I could make. (laughs) I mean, Rob, you probably don't... Uh, Yeah, I guess I'll start with this one. I saw it in the theater. Uh, It was bad. But not that bad. Much worse than Bruce Almighty, which I, I would probably... I would probably rate Bruce Almighty in the 70s and think that Evan Almighty would... Uh, then have to be in like the 50s but uh, I'm sure Bruce Almighty actually got in the 60s and so I'm going to go ahead and guess oh fuck the the thing I hadn't pushed enter yet but the thing pulled it up and I saw the score well now you don't get to guess I'm just going to have to take whatever the lowest score whatever the lowest score is I will take that Okay. plus 10 an interesting wrinkle. Not for plus the game. ten. I didn't do it on purpose. The thing yeah, just did but that. Yeah, but you're still cheating. He didn't. I was well, honest. He's, he's I could have just he's aced being it. Honest. He's not gonna say the score he saw. Dick. I think what's really going on <laughs> is you that, guys the, are so that the gods are, are mocking you for taking so long with your. Uh, with <laughs> okay, your so answer. Matt. I was trying to get Matt, ready. Matt, I'm, gonna guess, I'm gonna on. guess sixty-three. I am gonna guess forty-eight. Uh, for that one, 58. Brady, your guess? 29. Cool. Ethan says 50 on the nose. And the actual score was 37. Ooh. So I think Not I'm bad. with whatever Maddie got. Are you taking the lowest score? Yeah, I'm taking whoever got the low score. Oh. Plus 10. No. I'm not taking plus 10. Because <laughs> if, if that was the case, I would have just fucking lied and been like, 37! <laughs> I mean, 38, just make it seem like I wasn't lying. I was going to guess around 42. Okay, the lowest score uh, is Maddie with a 26. So, Rob, that is what you get. Bummer. I would have gotten, like, 5. But you're just too, uh, your moral compunctions are too compunctional. All right, so we're following Morgan Freeman along to uh, Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Yes. All right, I won't type anything this time. Please don't. Well, I didn't know it was going to autocomplete and, like, do the search for me. I thought only Google did that shit. And you too. Oh! Oh! In the news. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so I guess I'm going for Shawshank Redemption. Pretty good movie. I'm just going to give it a flat 80 because, you know, if people give it letter grades, it'll either fall on a 5 or a, a 10. Those aren't letters. Those are totally numbers. Those weren't letters. 
You said letter the grade. number. Yeah, the somebody gives it a letter grade. So if they give it an the A, then it'll tube. fall on a ninety-five. If they give it an A minus, it'll fall on a ninety. If they oh, well you. So just, I'm gonna put it on a five or a ten. In this case, an eighty, which is a multiple of five or ten. Calling wow. numbers letters pisses wow. the count off. What must it be like inside your head? Okay. okay. I'm trying to guess exactly. So if people give I'm it letters. I'm going to say 87. Or if people give it 1 out of 10 stars, it's on 10. If people give it 5 stars, it's out of 20s. Uh, it's biting off the of freshness of Maddie. Grundy. Oh, what number did you say, Tess? 88. Oh, I was going to say 92. You know what? I mean, there's a that chance that, that they are this really high. But then I, I'm thinking of 77. So yeah, I think it's it might have been high when it came out, but now it's kind of sunk. Yeah. I assume. Grandy so stole my exact answer. Well, I mean, it was kind hey, of hey, slept on when it came you out. You can share, Ethan. Really? We could guess the same number? You can. Interesting. It's not in your best interest because then you'll just be tying people, but... You could guess the same number as somebody yeah, for the whole game. You could do guess I differently, am going and then to guess uh, ninety even. All What did you guess, Brady? I actually guessed a seventy-seven. Oh. I think the reviews were good, but muted at the time. Eighty. Bullseye. All right. Good job, Rob. Hmm. That'll make up for my mishap last round. Rob's just trying to use a red herring to get us to think that he was trying to cheat last time, so he would be more, <laughs> more obvious and successful attempt no. this time. If that were the case, I would just cheat both times. Yeah, watch, watch what Rob's score is next time. That'll be the real. <laughs> That'll be time. the day. Times the so how many There's no way in how I'm gonna make up from movies, tw- minus twenty six and be Brady. Yeah, they're all picked out. What's the next movie? War of the Worlds, oh. which had War Tim Robbins in a brief role where he shouts. All right, this actually wasn't that bad. I'm going to go 72. What year was it? Uh, 2001. 2006, I think. I was going to say six. No. <laughs> it's, it's right You're after wrong. I finished. It's right You're after wrong. we finished college. It's 2001. It's definitely not No, 2002? 2003? No. No. It's it not was, 2006. Tess, it was after it's we were out of college. No, it's not because I watched it in college. It's like 2003 well, or 2002. No it's idea. not 2001, but it's like 2002. It doesn't matter what year it came out of. What matters is how good it is. What's yeah, your guess? It's, it's not 2006. I'm I saw gonna, it in college. It's I'm going to say 57. Maybe you're right. I have no idea. I'm just pulling numbers out of the air. I don't have any idea. Uh, Maddie says 57. Tess, despite what year it is, oh, um, what's the rating? I'm going to go with 68. Rob, what did you say again? 55. I said 72. Did you just guess 55? Yeah, I did. Interesting. Okay, Brady? I'll, I'll go... I'm going to go 75. Ooh. He knows what people like. 69! Give you like school children. So, uh, let me look it up. Well, you're at it. What year was it? I will tell you. It was 2005. Oh, I was wrong. Damn. And it was a 73. So it was after you graduated, not after I graduated. One point for Rob, right after his bullseye. I hadn't graduated yet. That was when I was home during winter break. I 
We also our, watched Super uh, 8. hypothesis is being borne out here. Apparently, I think Rob is definitely... What was it again? Untrustable. Uh, yeah. 2005. No, 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 the, the score. 73. Oh, I wasn't that far off. Rob does have a screen connected to the internet. Right, but you Two guys them, can even. see what I'm doing. No, this one's all showing the audio from our thing, which I finally got even. I actually can't see what you're doing, just to yeah. be fair. <laughs> take off your glasses, Rob! Why, why can't you see? <laughs> because what? take off your glasses! But I mean, you can see when I'm searching something or not, or blah, blah, blah. I can tell what you're doing, I can't tell, like, what you're writing. I can, see that, I can see that you are Googling stuff possibly with Google. I'm not if, really if sure. If I can see from near where you're sitting relatively well, you need glasses because I can't see for shit. That says... Adjicuff. <laughs> right, obviously, but I haven't been typing, you know... I'm not cheating, Jesus quit, Christ. Quit trying to cover you up cheating. your cheating, Rob. I'm telling you that I can't see what you're doing as you said that we could. But you can see when I'm typing and if I'm looking at stuff and blah, blah, blah. But the question is, is the game over or do we have one more? We have one more. more. Ooh. Eyes wide shut. Ooh. I've never seen it. Ooh, okay. So this actually, I really like this movie, I think. Tom Cruise. Uh, But (laughs) whether or not I really like it doesn't mean it's really good. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go with like a low to, between low and high 80s. So that's kind of all of the 80s. Uh, shit. I think that's I'm, 85. I'm going to go with 82. 82. Uh, 12. I'm not typing right now. Addy just said 12. For Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> that's terrible. I will do better than Maddie. This is a terrible movie. Okay. 95. Dude, uh, I, I don't think even like the love boat or whatever the fuck I'm Cuban Gooding Jr. one I'm that trying we did to the shoot the moon. I'm trying to get the worst score. Well, you have to get all the spades, though, and you have to get all the hearts and the bitch of spades. I think I might rate it, or assume they rate it, a. Uh, it is Kubrick. 72. I find it highly unlikely that Kubrick would ever get lower than a 75, even in his worst case. Just yeah, the well, movie, just like, it was a little... I like it. I, th- I think that's a no, really cool movie. it's being reevaluated as a very, very... It really reminds movie. me of, um, of uh, Alex Jones infiltrating the uh, mm-hmm. solid uh, conspiracy score. gathering of uh, all those guys. The human bad. sacrifice and all bad. that. Uh, Brady? 78. 78 and... Uh, 80 even. By the way, I've been distracting you all with you thinking I'm cheating. What you should really check is Brady, who's keeping score. Because <laughs> Brady can just write whatever the fuck. Brady's nobody would remember what they get. cheating. Yeah, no, it's true. I would be Tess suspecting him, but he's adjective. not capable. Uh, did you go, Ethan? Yes, I said 80 even. All right, let's go. Okay. Can Rob make up his 26-point deficit by only losing a couple points here? Eyes wide hut? (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a movie I want to (laughs) see. 68. Ooh, bummer. That, ah, fuck, that slammed me for 14 points. 
So 30 plus 14, so I'm down 30-something plus, like, a modicum here or two. And that makes... My new rule for playing this game is say something eight every single time. And I'm and guessing Brady's somewhere around 28 And 68 is right. Well, I'm guessing Maddie's somewhere around 97 uh, <laughs> times four. <laughs> Granny does very well on this last round. <laughs> Alright, Brady, you got that math? You got that math? Alright, give me some moments. I got five of these to do, but I'll do it. Look at his split. Well, he did it like a calendar of the month. Of course he did. It's Brady. He like, organizes things all crazy like all the time. Like a Hello Kitty lunchbox. Like a Hello Kitty lunchbox and a baby in a blender. I actually did find out about the existence of Hello Kitty through a book called Samurai Cat, uh, where this samurai cat goes into like all these different movies and sit to separate little novels within the novel. One of them is The Seven Samurai. You're saying amazing shit, but you should speak up into the mic when you do it. I thought we were... Oh, are we still... Are yep. we alive? Always. We haven't heard the, uh, the, the thingy. Actually, one time when we were recording our uh, our uh, our year end, uh, which became a drunken, horrible thing, where I ended up punching Brady in the face, we still have audio from that that we haven't yet to release. But uh, go ahead and tweet us on Carney Couch C A R N Y Couch if you want to hear that. That means we'll know that you are listening. If you, w I think we have audio of that moment because there were like uh, wireless mics on that were just lying around. And very, like, just various shit. Like, because people would go out and walk around the house, and I left the thing recording, so it just got people walking around after I yelled at everybody that I was producing and that they should. This will separate the weak fans. It was just okay. like Rob going, I, I am going to hit totals. you now, and Brady, like, why did you hit me? Like, <laughs> now, would you like me to announce all the totals? Yes, announce all the totals. Okay. In. A sixth place with a score of 119, Madeline Kobe. Woo! Yeah! All right! I got the highest score! Highest number score! In fifth place with 68, it's Grandy. Woo! They're making up a lot of ground in the backstretch. In. <laughs> where's the backstretch? Uh, in fourth place, where's the backstretch? Uh, with 57, Tessa. Damn it. <laughs> third with 56. It's a squeaker. Uh, Ethan. In second with 50 is Rob. And I win. Ah. What do you have? 24. 20. Oh, I was guessing 20. Dude. <laughs> so if I hadn't gotten 26 and I had gotten, and I had gotten 5 minus. instead of 26, so where would that have put me? Uh, that would have put me at 29, so I still would have lost. Yeah, it would have been close, though. Well, I guess we don't have to record a new outro because Brady won again. A Metacritical. I won again. Fuck you. So everybody, we're back with final thoughts. Uh, I've, I've kind of had my final thought already when I said, yeah, it was good. It was an action movie. It was neat. It was kind of nice. It was a little long. Was it? Yeah, it stayed under two like hours. Like I said, I think the first half could have been done in yeah, 20 minutes. No, See, I liked the first half. But then half. the first half is my favorite part. I'd, yeah, I prefer too. that to the Case. crazy Lipizzaner horses. Yeah. Uh, no, I, what, Lipizzaner horses? Yeah, they're trained Austrian horses. They're the ones that can prance Wait, and do ones? little toe tricks. Yeah. Because yeah. the oh, they're well, in Vienna. Yeah, that's, but that was, yeah. that was like 
two and a half minutes. I don't care. No, no, I know. But that stuff's endemic to me of the middle section of the film, which is probably my least favorite. At least the train stuff is. Uh, I like the train stuff. Train. <laughs> I didn't really care too much about the drug addiction stuff. Okay, we're taking him to the parade, and, and then he gets the drug addiction well, out. That's no, the let's go. That's the, that's like the, the generous movie. human stuff to yeah, me. Yeah, that's the part I didn't really like. Well, you were you were fiddling with your phone. Maybe you would have liked it more if you'd actually been paying attention. Mm-hmm. I paid enough attention. Okay. I looked at what was uh, on see, the screen. See, isn't this great though? Still controversy. At, as we're closing the Brad cast. Brad didn't like the good part of the movie, I guess. I mean, I just, I didn't like the <laughs> movie that much movie. at all. I liked the action at the end. Except it was the fun. racist parts. Yeah, I liked all the parts except for the racist parts. The Turks call uh, Freud an infidel, I believe. Oh, Several God. times. Right. So the gross. infidel. Ugh. So gross. And it's like, <laughs> you I, you know, I started being all encouraged because, like, Freud kicks the racist dude's ass at Squash after he, like, insults him for being Jewish. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, great. Awesome. Wait, oh, no. no. <sighs> Apparently there's only room for two. So anyway, Maddie, what are what are your final final thoughts? Um, well, I guess Tess had mentioned that she wanted to talk about this. So maybe she could get started because I just kind of want to tack on to her final thought. Uh, oh well oh did i oh um well i have a lot of thoughts i'm not sure how final they are um the final problem final problem i said but did you listen um so well uh huh um i really i really did enjoy the scene where he's like um detoxing essentially and um maddie had mentioned that uh, the imagery is a lot more like opiate related than it is like it doesn't look like cocaine withdrawal it looks a lot more like opiate withdrawal with like just these like d- apparent like <laughs> days of illness and like hallucinating and sweating and freaking out there were insects everywhere yeah, yeah. he like like sees like worms coming out of people's faces and um, no, no, no. There's like, a bowl full of worms that he ser- served to eat, and then, like, the nurse had, like, flies on her face. Flies on her face. Okay, okay. I might have, like, not understood those were flies. I think I thought they were, like, worms or something. Oh, but okay. there were, yeah, lots of insects um, coming out of people yeah. and things. Um, All it lacks is a baby crawling on the ceiling. Yeah, no, it was very train spotting. It was. Like, it was a lot of, like, just freaked out, like, heroin addiction imagery. It was. <laughs> Um, and like that, so that was kind of confusing to me, um, because it didn't seem like cocaine withdrawal and you'll, one of the things that they say like Holmes does is morphine on top of cocaine. Um, and it seemed a little bit more like that, just like with the, how bad the withdrawal was. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I don't know if it was like a thing they weren't saying or if it was just, you know, the author trying to think of some creepy way that people could be withdrawing. Um, so I wanted to comment on that. I know there was something else. The boat. Um, I remember. I did want to talk about the, I did want to talk about the end end, but there were a bunch of other things I wanted to mm. say too. Um, <laughs> And um, I'm blanking on a lot of them. Um, I did like all the references during the, like, the probably his, like, withdrawal scene, like, had the most bizarre references. Um, is like, at one point, he looks at the end of this, his, his bed and, like, the entire redheaded 
man's league is like nodding at him (laughs) and then it's that's kind of interesting too because the woman who like is in the case later is a redhead yeah um and that like serves a big like that's part of her character she's like has a fiery red hair and um also oh uh he like actually mentions the um speckled band and then there's like the roylott school that he went to which you mentioned earlier and like that was that was cool um oh there was oh and then the hounds yeah yeah there I feel like there was something else that he like hallucinates but I can't remember I don't think I didn't notice it I think we'd have to know maybe maybe he didn't maybe I'm like hallucinating that but (laughs) so yeah I thought that was like a really really cool memorable scene um it was a little silly but it did it did feel like legitimately worrisome and he looks really upset so and then oh and then there's that scene where he like is calling for Watson and Watson like comes in and like has to hold him down and I thought that was really interesting oh that was really sweet really really sad yeah sad it was like he had to physically hold him down yeah you like they I don't know yeah this Watson was such a good Watson like very good his voice was funny but he was like he was so caring and wonderful to his yeah. homes, and that's really important yeah, to me. So, much. but then the ending—the ending was like this really weird, like romantic thing, and almost, almost romantic. Like it's heavily—it hung there. It hung there. It could have just been that they'll be friends, and the journey will be better because they'll just hang out and talk and be cool. Yeah, but it could also help each other with getting over their drug addictions. So maybe they're just bros. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold that. It hope seemed that- like that, but it seemed like you could read it either way if you want. And yeah. I think that, like, as a Hollywood movie with people sword fighting on the top of a fucking train um you need to have that and that was what I thought was most interesting about the ending is like from my point of view I I read it as them like sailing off and being like we're gonna help each other with our addictions and be friends and hooray but it was set up in such a way that if you want to read it as like, oh, well, he's going to get with this chick now, even though like whatever, he, she was just part of his case um, and he was sort of kind of nice to her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you could read it that way if you want. And I thought that was like the most interesting is like you can see things where you want to see them because it's Hollywood and they have to set it up that way. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, though, that that line, that last line is way too Hollywood winking, I think. I, I think it heavily oh, implies romance because he says, well, I hope the trip won't be too short. Like he's, oh, yeah, It's like a very yeah. James Bondy. Yeah, what the fuck line. was that? That was a little bit too much. If they had just left it, it would have been okay. But yeah, that was a little bit that over the top. That was too much. And like, yeah, like Sherlock Holmes, I don't know. I feel very strongly about him not being romantically involved with women. I do, too. I don't know like he doesn't he can be asexual or he can be gay whatever like but I just feel like he is not attracted to women I mean there are so many times in so many cases where well I mean not so many times but there's one case where you know Watson is like well I really he seemed really interested in this girl who he was helping for the case but then at the end of the case he didn't pursue her at all and I was kind of bummed about it and like you know, he, he respects Irene Adler, but he's, there's That's, not romantic at all. Like, Irene Adler in the book just wants to be with her new husband and totally forget about the stupid baron guy. Yeah. Or the king. Yeah. Or whoever. He's king. like a king. He's a king. Yeah. He's the king of Bohemia. Um. So, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I feel strongly about Sherlock Holmes not being romantically involved with women. But that's just me. Um, I love Irene Adler and Sherlock Holmes, but... That's like a personal thing, and I don't really think that has anything to do with. And and I also think of them as like more 
intellectual like interested in each other like interested in each other intellectually than they are like physically actually attracted to each other like he's he's fascinated with anyone that is his equal and that's kind of like where she stands and it doesn't matter that she's a woman in that case (laughs) yeah so i I think we're coming around to that time where we got to determine what we're doing next week uh anybody have any ideas i'll throw grizzly man in again precedent baby yeah brady wants to do grizzly man what was one of the ones that you wanted to do that you thought shaylin could like do or if you guys had any ideas of what david shaylin might like to do with us i think we should watch something animated like what hmm I don't know. That's my only idea. <laughs> Great mouse detective. Great mouse detective. I'd be down for Ratatouille. Oh, I've actually never seen mo- Ratatouille. <gasps> oh my god, it's such a good movie. Yeah, I've, I've heard, heard it's, it's really good. good. We should watch that and then watch Rebecca and be like, dude, we Rebecca wants its it. bad guy back. <laughs> so there's who's the bad guy in Ratatouille? I thought it was the cook trying to. Well, kill it was, the rat. but it was no, but the, it, there, he's not really a bad guy. It's the food critic. Is like the exact same character from from Rebecca. Or not Rebecca. Sorry, Laura. Laura! I'm fucking up my noir. Laura. He's like the... he, And he is a critic. He's not like a food critic. I think he's like a movie critic or a, some kind of book critic or something. And he like is writing something in a bathtub at some point. <laughs> I have all and my good, best ideas in the bath. Yeah. You look as a typewriter. What was one of the ones that you thought of about David Shalen? Um, you sure it wasn't something we'd already done? Maybe. I guess we did four. Like we did, yeah. I said because we were like, oh, Shalen would have liked that. I want to suggest the haunting. The haunting. Halloween's going to be coming up in short order. I want to watch the haunting for our Halloween episode. Okay. Uh, what's Maddie, the you should get in on this. Okay. The Haunting is, it's uh, Robert Wise. Um, and it's, there was a remake of it with like uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and some other people, but that's terrible. This movie is like a really subtle, interesting horror movie in which nothing scary happens, but it's absolutely like soul-crushingly terrifying. Um, I, I screamed in a theater, like for the first time in my life, seeing this movie. It's, it's really great. It's haunting. Um, Mm. it's great. And also, um, really interesting, like, um, uh, I don't know what to call this, like pre, pre homosexual storytelling i don't know like before they could like storytelling about before they could tell like before you could have gay characters right like a common thing to do was to put them in horror stories and have them say they're something else right and just like yeah Yeah. act like act like they're Uh, like well maybe when we get closer to halloween we can do that i think ratatouille is a good a good pick we're also um gonna watch eraser head anyway and that might be fun to talk about because it's so weird i love eraser head so I mean, yeah, we could do that. What do you think, Brady? Ratatouille or Eraserhead? I'm kind of feeling Ratatouille mostly because I want to just, I think we should cook for it and Ooh. really Ooh, do yeah. it up culinary. Brady knows how to make a good Ratatouille, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah, I do know how to make he Ratatouille. Does. Well, let's have Ratatouille and do Ratatouille next week. All right. Okay. That sounds fun. Uh, I Can you think of somebody to yell out before the theme song? 
three, two, one, Anton Ego, theme song! <laughs> Carnivorous couch, shit happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch, with Brady and Rob. Thank you.